Hi everyone, welcome to Unplug with Annie. I am back with a new episode of the series of Purpose and today I have the wonderful Tony Lloyd on the show. Tony is a leadership development expert. He helps purpose-driven business leaders to thrive in life so that they can connect with others and contribute to the world. He is not only a former Fortune 500 executive, but he is also a best-selling author, a keynote speaker, a business coach, and a podcast host. He's the executive producer of the podcast Social Entrepreneur, where he shares positive stories from underrepresented voices and focuses on solutions. It's had more than half a million downloads and it's available in over 180 countries. Um, He's doing some incredible, incredible work and we're going to be talking a little bit about his journey, about his passions, about what's driving him and most importantly about purpose. Hi Tony, welcome to Unplug with Annie. Thank you Annie, I'm glad to be here. It's so great that you are, and I'm so glad that we connected because I think this specific series, uh, I feel that you're going to have a lot to say about about purpose. So, firstly, if you could just tell the audience a little bit about you, because you know you're doing a bit of everything: coaching, writing, speaking. Um, is there is there something you particularly enjoy the most, and how did how did one lead to another, if you like, for you? Right. Right. Uh, so thanks for asking. Uh, you know, I think my main problem is I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Right? <laughs> so, you know, I have so many interests. Uh, and, you know, you've been talking about purpose, and I really appreciate this series. And for me, I've, I've always been a person about purpose, uh, but it has shown up in different ways. And so it's sort of like hold fast to the vision, but let the form be flexible. And so there have been times in my life where like I was obsessed about ending malaria for kids, right? Or, you know, clean drinking water or whatever that thing might be. And what I figured out pretty soon is I have a particular set of skills and I have a very broad range of interests So instead of me being the center of the universe, which I kind of figured out I am not, it surprised me, but I am not the center of the universe, Uh, but it allowed me to uh, take the light that is shown on me and to direct that light towards change makers, towards people who are working on purpose. So I had a Fortune 500 executive career. I had a very successful run at all that. I took an early retirement and decided to go do something else. I was um, doing some coaching and mentoring with social entrepreneurs at uh, the University of Minnesota. And your listeners are probably familiar that social entrepreneurs make a dollar and a difference, right? Mm-hmm. So they, uh, they make money, but money for a mission. So I was mentoring people doing that kind of work. And I began to realize that these were very interesting stories from interesting people. Uh, So I started a podcast. It's coming up now on five years ago. We're past episode number 300. uh, And it's heard around the world, 180 countries, more than half a million downloads. It's just, you know, it's been really fun. Uh, A few years ago, I had an opportunity to write a book about that. So I wrote a book called Crazy Good Advice. And then that book gave me the opportunity to become a public speaker. Now we're not doing a lot of the public part of speaking right now, right. but I'm still, I'm still doing events via Zoom. 
so, you know, I say that I'm an author, speaker, coach, and podcaster. And so of all that, I think it's sort of the podcast is the base layer. It's the thing from which everything else grows. Wow. Wow. Well, I mean, you said something so interesting, which was on, I, I was checking out your website and everything that you've done. And um, I think you had just put it really beautifully, which is that we're, we're here on earth to, you know, connect with each other, with connect with people. And um, you also said that it's important that we, we contribute. And in order to do that correctly, we have to, we have to practice self-care and as we do that, we thrive even more. So I, I just found that really apt and significant. So when did when did that kind of um, click, or when did when, when did it make sense for you that actually right. serving and connecting and contributing was your purpose? Right, right. Well, I, I would say early on in my life, I always knew that I was here to be of service. Uh, and so, again, that shows up in different ways in different phases of my life. And so, you know, there was a time when it was a very religious kind of service. Uh, and then there was a time when it was a very sort of like serving teams within a corporation. Uh, and there are times today when it's serving people by mentoring and coaching. And so how I serve and how my contribution that I'm making to the world, it looks different at different times in my life. And the contribution that you're here to make, Ani, to uh, the world, you're, the ding that you're putting in the corner of the universe, right? That's, that's going to be different than the one that I am because we each have different gifts. Mm -hmm. And I, I began to realize a couple of things. At the end of 2018, I began to realize that I was, I was socially isolating because I wasn't in an office anymore. I wasn't on a team. Uh, and even though I was doing interviews with people from a distance, I really was not socially connecting as much. And at the end of 2018, I really began to burn out. And that is a common thing for people who are change makers or purpose-driven individuals is we tend to give of ourselves 110%. And so at some point in my life, I just found right at the end of 2018, I actually fell into depression. I actually became depressed because I, I was depleted. And so I, uh, I went to breakfast with a friend of mine and um, he asked me the simple question that we all ask each other from time to time, which is, how are you, right? Mm -hmm. it, except in this case, I just made the decision to tell him the truth, that I am depressed. And so he was nice enough to point me in the direction of a great book. It's very helpful. Uh, it's by Johan Hari, and the name of the book is Lost Connections, Why You Are Depressed and How to Find Hope. So Lost Connections, Why You Are Depressed and How to Find Hope. And what Johan Hari found was that there are nine causes of anxiety and depression, but only two of them have anything to do with your brain chemistry or your genetic disposition. And so I had this picture in my head that the reason I was feeling anxious and depressed was because my brain was broken right? That's, that's the thing we're taught, you know, oh, you don't have enough serotonin, you need to take this pill, and you're going to be better. Uh, but he had, Johan Hari had, had traveled the world and talked to these top experts on what causes anxiety and depression. And he found these nine different causes. Uh, and most of them had to do with being disconnected. 
right? So mm -hmm. disconnected from other people, but also disconnected from meaningful work or meaningful values or status and respect or like being disconnected from the natural world, right? So these nine different causes of anxiety and depression. So what that did for me was it gave me the, the vision that my anxiety and depression, I had some control over that because if, mm -hmm. the, if it was caused by these things, I could do something about that. So in 2019, I did this whole long, year-long self-care experiment, and I called it my year of personal bests, and that's plural, because I wanted to live my best life in 10 different areas of my life, and I measured myself, and I did a bunch of things and did this. But, it, but by the end of the year, at the end of 2019, I sort of looked back and I said, what did I learn? And mm -hmm. so the thing that I learned was the thing that you just said back to me, which is we are here on earth to connect, right? So that's connect with one another, connect with our higher power, connect with nature, connect, et cetera, uh, to contribute. So each of us has a unique contribution to the world, but before you can connect, and before you can contribute, you have to practice self-care. So that really was a revelation for me that um, doing purpose-filled work isn't always enough to sustain you in the long run. You also have to practice self-care. And there's the saying, you cannot pour from an empty vessel. Mm -hmm. So how do you fill yourself up so that you have more to give to others? Wow. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, yeah, going, going off that then that on self-care, um, are there certain practices, because obviously you've, you've mentored people, you coach people, are there certain practices that you share with your clients, um, you know, really practical things or that you just apply to your own life on a daily basis? It, it, I mean, it's going to be a while till, till my guests get to hear you speaking, um, however, right now, I can say that as we're recording, we're still in 2020 uh, and what a year it's been. And, and you mentioned disconnection as well. You know, it has been a year where a lot of people have been disconnected from friends and family for a sustained period of time right. and have really struggled with their mental health. Right, right. You know, um, I think what a, on a scale of one to 10, what a 10 looks like for you may be different than what a 10 looks like for me, right? Uh, I have friends who run ultra marathons. I have one friend who has run more than 100 races that are more than 100 miles each. And so for him, the idea of fitness and physical health and you know what that looks like is so different than me, right? You know, if I go out and go for a four mile run, then my legs are tired and I'm, you know, I'm like, oh, that was enough, right? Mm -hmm. So, so what it looks like for you. So the first thing I, I had to do for myself during 2019 and that I would encourage other people to do, do is to just simply say on a scale of one to 10, what does my best life look like in my, you know, and pick out the areas that mean, mean something for you. So, you know, I chose 10 different areas and I said it was my physical, emotional, intellectual, spiritual, and then my social life, my marriage, my uh, life as a parent, uh, my vocation, my finances, and my avocation, which includes hobbies and causes that I care about. And so I just asked myself on a scale of one to 10, what would a 10 look like? And then on a scale of one to 10, 
where would I place myself right now? And just be really honest about that. And then just start making a plan. What would it take for you to close the gap? And so the, the, there is no one answer, right? There is no one way to do this right. Yeah. It's just simply in your own mind or, you know, I, I created a self-assessment that I can take and other people can take, take if they want. But um, just asking yourself on a scale of one to 10, what does a 10 look like? Where am I now? And what would it take to close the gap? And, and then I would, I would share that finding with a close friend or a loved one to get a reality check, you know, and, and to just, you know, you may say, oh, on a scale of one to 10, I think I'm a seven. And then the, your friend may go, you know what, <laughs> maybe it's a five. You know? right. And uh, so, so get some reality check and get, and get some guidance. And then, you know, you can, you can make a plan from there. Mm-hmm. And, and so another thing in terms of disconnection, um, and I know you, you spoke a little bit about it, um, is that I wanted to touch on is that success that, you know, the world associates success with, you know, uh, acquiring accolades with, uh, you know, attaching oneself to, you know, what they what, 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 how much wealth you have, um, what material possessions you have. And we start believing that that is success and we can develop some really unhealthy relationships with this idea of what success means. And, you know, in the chase for that, we, we don't take care of our mental health. And um, with depression and anxiety being on the rise and, you know, obviously consumption is at its all highest in, in terms of social media as well, technology. Um, how can we really, is there a way that we can really start breaking away from this disconnection and, and creating more connection and how does one do that to create a sustained impact because it just seems like it's getting worse and worse right right um okay so i'm going to take this from two different angles okay so one i would say from a personal level uh you know we attach ourselves sometimes to junk values. And by that, I just mean, you know, how many likes did I get on that post? Or, you know, did somebody make a comment? Or how come that person post reposted my post, and they got 200 likes, and I got one for my post, right? You know, how right. does that happen, right? And so we can become attached to uh, these, uh, these measurements that really don't mean anything. But Johan Hari compared our social media connections to our real human connections to the difference between um, uh, he compared social media to pornography and real human con connections to actual uh, intercourse, right? And I yeah. know that's a crude, that's a crude analogy, but it's true that sometimes it's just not the same thing. And sometimes we equate them to be the same and to be real. So I would just say, you know, one thing is that we we have to figure out where our sense of value comes from. And is, you know, as we're younger, it's very extrinsic that, that we're looking for accolades from outside of ourselves. But a sign of maturity is to find that pleasure from within yourself, that you are the source of approval and disapproval, and that you don't really have to have all of those external accolades. Now, honestly, you know, like if my book hits a top 10 list of somebody who says this is the best, you know, whatever, I'm thrilled. I am very happy about that. But I don't depend upon that. Um, mm -hmm. The other thing I would say is, 
uh, when we think about you and you mentioned consumption and you mentioned, you know, like, and this is all about purpose. One of the things I would say is the way you spend your time is the way you spend your life, right? So if you want to live a life of purpose and meaning, then think about how you're spending your time and whether or not that really equates to a purposeful life. Um, you know, in the U.S., they did a survey where uh, they found that during a weekday, 36% of our time was spent either asleep or doing personal grooming. And then an additional 37% of our time was spent at work or doing work-related activities. And so that's two-thirds of your life. You're either asleep or at work. And so the way you spend your time is the way you spend your life. If you want to live a life of purpose and meaning, we have to find a way to bring purpose and meaning to the work that we're doing, to find a purposeful work or find the purpose within the work we're already doing. And so we could go into that whole rabbit hole if you want, but I, I'm conscious of the fact that I'm blathering on, so, <laughs> so I'll, I'll let you jump in there. Uh, no, I think you said some really important things. And I think ultimately it's also, it's that awareness essentially, you know, uh, and, and then we're only able to act once we're aware of things. I think when we're just in, in our own bubbles and we're just sort of going from A to B and, 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 and in this rat race, you know, there, there is no awareness until you really sit down and reflect. And I think yes. 2020 definitely gave us some reflecting time. <laughs> Um, yes. you, you, you also give, like you said, you, you have a podcast as well. You, you love giving underrepresented voices a, a voice and platform. Um, can you tell us something about the Racist Voter Project that you've been working on? Yeah. Um, so uh, a couple of things you said there. So one is um, when we think about the podcast we do, and I do three different ones, um, I always say uh, we tell positive stories from underrepresented voices focused on solutions. And so the three parts of that positive stories right now, you could go to your uh, social media and, and there's a new phrase or a, a relatively new phrase called doom scrolling that you just scroll and you're just looking at the doom of the world. right? <laughs> and so there are lots of places, lots of outlets that are telling these horrible negative stories. But your podcast, for example, is a place that people can find hope and meaning and, uh, you know, just a wonderful positive message. So to, to provide positive stories from underrepresented voices. Well, I am a 61-year-old white male uh, in the United States. So uh, in a way, I won, right? You know, I was raised during this time when being a white male in the United States was a, such a position of privilege. And even if I came from poor circumstances, I still had the opportunity to rise up through, uh, through the social ranks simply because of who I am and nothing that I had done. So the way I think about the underrepresented voices it feels kind of like all of the light in the universe has been shown into me. It's like the sun is shining and there's a 
pinhole of light and it's just shining directly on me. So my role as a human being is to take a mirror and to reflect that light to places that aren't getting the light because I did nothing to deserve that. It's just the way that our system has been set up. And then uh, focused on solutions. So I talk to people who have solutions to big audacious problems. So uh, we tell positive stories from underrepresented voices focused on solutions. Now, I live in the Minneapolis St. Paul area, and this is where George Floyd was murdered. And so um, when that happened, I was obviously, you know, I was, I was very emotionally charged from that. Uh, you know, I have spent the last several years talking to people who are working on different aspects of systemic racism, among other problems, but it was just one of the things that we talked about. But I felt very emotionally charged. And one of the things I know that I must do is to turn emotion into action that just take that energy that I feel and convert that into action energy. But I didn't know what to do because as I mentioned, I am a 61 year old white male. And so what is my role in talking about racism? Mm -hmm. So, uh, so I said something on Facebook about how horrible it was about George Floyd and a friend of mine that I've known for a long time, a black woman said to me, okay, big boy, you've got a platform. What are you going to do about it? And it was like, oh, man, <laughs> you know, it just really, uh, really convicted out. my heart. So we started a project that's called uh, Anti-Racist Voter. And Anti-Racist Voter, uh, we are talking to community leaders and candidates for office. And we're talking to the people about the policies that dismantle systemic racism. So everything from criminal justice to housing, to healthcare, to all these different things. So it's, uh, the, and I don't know when our episode of the podcast is going to come out, but uh, between now and the US election, which is November 3rd, uh, we're focusing on that. And so I'm interviewing people who are making a difference in dismantling systemic racism. Wow. Well, I think that's, I mean, that's really, really, really important work. So that, that's brilliant that you're doing that. And um, I, I think that's the thing, like you said, action is so important. And one thing I found from talking to leaders like yourself, social entrepreneurs around the world is that there is this common gifting, I feel like, which is, which is resilience and perseverance. I feel like they're two things that, um, all of all of you, all of you wonderful guests share, um, you, you know, and that's why that's why you get things done. So and there's there's this alignment of saying something and and the doing and the action. So yeah. so but resilience is something which I think resilience and perseverance for a lot of people are just these words, you know, these these shiny bright words which don't actually mean much to them because they just don't know how to acquire it if they feel like they haven't got it already. So how can we tap more into those sources? Do you believe that we are naturally gifted with those fruits or do you think it is something that we have to actually hone? It's a skill. Uh, it's both, I think. Uh, I, I think, you know, one of the things that really uh, diminishes 
our ability to bounce back. That's what resilience means, right? To, to reshape back to your previous forms. One of the things that prohibits that is a lack of internal resources, that when we are so beaten down that we just don't have the bandwidth within ourselves in order to spring back. Now, the, the other point is that a lot of people believe it, that the true definition of resilience, which is to spring back, meaning to, to go back to the way things were, I think one of the tricks, one of the little Jedi mental tricks is to consider yourself springing forward. Mm -hmm. and, and it's about, um, uh, it's about finding that place you want to go with this. Uh, you know, there's this, uh, there's this concept called uh, post-traumatic growth. And so uh, post-traumatic growth is for people who, who, you know, I am going to learn so something, I am going to change a little, I'm going to pivot a little bit, and I'm going to spring forward, that you find ways to, to grow out of the trauma. Uh, if you get stuck replaying the trauma, if you're stuck in the past, or if you're stuck even in the present and just replaying that trauma again and again, you cannot grow. So the trick is, the Jedi mind trick is to think ahead on what things can come out of this. And you probably are familiar with the book, um, uh, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a great book. It's a very old book. Uh, but Viktor Frankl, he and his family went into the uh, death camps in Nazi Germany. And he was the only one in his family that survived. And he came out of the other side of it. Uh, but one of the things that he said in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, he said, you can take everything from a person except the last freedom, that one last thing. And he calls that to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances to choose one's own way. And so when we are in the middle of trauma and, and the entire world is full of trauma right now. Um, and, and when we're in the middle of trauma, we could become self-pitying. We could get stuck in this poor me loop, or we could say, I still have a choice. I have a sense of the word is agency, right? So a freedom to choose. And mm -hmm. so I have, a, I have the ability to choose my attitude in any given situation, including this set of circumstances. And so the attitude that I choose is I choose to see the growth opportunities. Every crisis brings an opportunity. So that's part of the mental uh, resilience of people who make a difference. Yeah, yeah, wow, true, true. I think you, you, you only realize whether you have it or not, when those moments hit, right? Whether, and, and it kind of tests you in a very big way. Um, I'm sure that you are super familiar with, with Maslow's hierarchy and um, this, this idea that we are, that every human being has an objective essentially. And if we start right at the bottom, it, it needs essentially. And if we start at the bottom, it's food and water and right at the top is self-actualization and when we're, we're more focused on giving and serving and, um, and all the stuff that we were talking about at the beginning. Um, a lot of people feel that actually, you know, that there's never an ending to our, to our wants. And that because we're, we, are, we are living in a world which um, does almost encourage outside validation or we seek, we, yeah, we, we, we seek that validation from multiple sources 
um, whether it's our job title or whether it's how much money we have in the bank, it's kind of like that tick in the box that we get and, and we feel good about it and we feel right. more successful. Right. Um, but can we really profit from doing purposeful work? And by that, I mean, can we really be happy? Because obviously we know that money isn't the answer to everything, but we know it's important. Um, however, is the solution, you know, giving up all our, all our materialistic needs and wants and, and, and living like a monk, um, right. which I know Jay Shetty did, and I know maybe his book, Think Like a Monk, would, would explain it better, but what, what are your thoughts on this? Right. Um, so one of the things that about Maslow's hierarchy is later there, was, uh, there were other theories that came behind it, and one of those theories is called the hygiene theory, and the hygiene theory means you can reward someone with something, let's call it money, but there's this point at which adding more money to the pile makes no difference, right? So if you're hungry and you're starving and you're on the streets and somebody hands you a dollar, that dollar means a terrible amount to you. It's just wonderful. You just, oh my goodness, a dollar. Now I can go get something at the store. But if you are, or a pound or, or whatever that might be, but if you are, um, you know, if you are uh, at a middle-class level, and someone hands you a pound note, uh, a pound, then, then, you know, I mean, what else do you need? At some point, you go to your closet and you look at all the clothes you have there and all the brands that are there, and you go, that's enough. I mean, really, I have <laughs> enough. And, right. and so um, there, there are theories that say that you can only, uh, that once a, your need is met, then adding more to it just doesn't help. And so I think that um, the, the reason that I am attracted to social entrepreneurs is because they have found a way to make money in a way that makes a difference in the world. Um, you know, I, I talked the other day to uh, Sebastian Sarju, and he has a company called ArcLite, A-R-Q-L-I-T-E. And what they do is they take plastic that cannot be recycled because it's uh, laminate soft plastics that have multiple layers with different kinds of plastic in it. And they melt it down, break it down. They form a construction material called smart gravel. And they sell that to uh, construction companies who are very happy to have this new kind of gravel. It's made from unrecyclable plastic wow. uh, and the gravel has better insulation. It's 10 times lighter. It's three times more insulating. It's better sound insulation, better, um, you know, heat insulation, et cetera. And it has all these qualities and properties that cause construction companies to say, yes, we need that. So, Here's a person who is taking a, a, an intractable problem, all of this plastic that cannot be recycled, and turning it into a value-added product, which he sells to make money, which he plows back into his company so that he can take more unrecyclable plastic out of the environment, put it into these construction pro projects, and build something out of it. Um, you know, there's a company called Evernew, and they, uh, Stacy Flynn is their uh, CEO, and they take uh, cotton material. So she, she used to be a buyer for some of the larger brands, and she would come up with the latest fashions, the latest materials, and the latest colors, et cetera. But she took a trip to China to their 
factory and was horrified by what she saw with the waste coming out of the factory and the chemicals going into the streams and just chemical haze in the building. And so she was so horrified by that that she went home and she started this company called Evernew. And what they do is they take uh, used uh, cotton textiles and they break them down and reconstitute them into new material that can be sewn and stitched and dyed and, and remade. And she's taking just tons of cotton waste out of the waste stream and turning it into a value-added product. Wow. Uh, and I'll give you just one more um, example of this. Uh, Let's see, the Soulful Project. Now, this is an interesting one because these were two people, uh, Megan and uh, Chip, and they were working for the Campbell's Soup Company. So big mm -hmm. soup company. And they also, though, were volunteering at a uh, food bank. And one night, a woman came to the back door and knocked on the door and said, look, I have a car full of hungry kids. We're going to go hungry tonight if you can't give me something right now. And so they, they gathered up what they had, and they gave her some food, and they sent her on her way. But they said, we have to solve this long term. So they came up with a cereal that uh, they worked with the food bank. The food bank has uh, you know, all the information about the most nutritious food and what families need. And their, their um, project is called the Soulful Project. Uh, and, and so they make this uh, cereal that when you buy one at the grocery store, they donate a package of cereal to the food bank. And so there's a, a company that is making a difference by what they share and how they share it. So there are all these different ways to bring purpose to your working life and, mm. um, and, and to do both right? To make a dollar and a difference money with a meaning. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. It's actually great that you've even shared examples of that because I think, you know, a lot of people are probably lost as to how one can do that. But I think if you really want to, you can find ways and, and just like you've established that um, it is very, very possible to, to, to serve and and uh, do purposeful work, like you said, and, and at the same time make profit from it. Um, you've also written a book, Crazy Good Advice. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the book and, and where we can find it? Sure. Uh, so Crazy Good Advice came from uh, my first 150 uh, interviews with leading social entrepreneurs. So um, I, at the end of each podcast, I asked my guests, what's your best piece of advice that you would pass along to someone else? And after the first 150 episodes, I said to myself, I think I'm hearing a pattern here. I think I'm hearing the same pieces of advice being given again and again. So I, uh, I'm a bit of a spreadsheet geek. And <laughs> so, so I put the pieces of advice into the, a spreadsheet. And then in the next column over, I said category. And so I listed for each one, if I were to put that in a bucket or a category, what would that be? And then when I got finished, I sorted the spreadsheet. And sure enough, there were only 10 key pieces of advice that they had been giving again and again. So uh, the book is called Crazy Good Advice, 10 Lessons Learned from 150 Leading Social Entrepreneurs. And the thing about it is um, uh, 
uh, we, uh, I, I wrote it as part of a crowdfunding campaign and we we're giving this book away for free during the crowdfunding campaign or as a, as a spiff, as a prize for people who donated to the crowdfunding campaign. And afterwards we said, well, we have a book. What are we going to do with it? So, well, I guess we'll put it up on Amazon. So we put it on Amazon and when we did, it became a bestseller. Wow. And so it's just, you know, I, I, I sometimes say I am like the Forrest Gump of business. I like <laughs> stumble forward and cool things happen and I don't even know how they happen, right? Wow. So, uh, so uh, it's a great book. Um, people can p- pick it up for, um, you know, on Amazon.com or other book outlets online. Uh, but if they want a free copy of the book, I, I have a free electronic copy on my website. And if they go to my website, there's a big green button there that says download the free book. And they just click the big green button and fill out their information and ta-da, they'll have it. Wow. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Tony, for coming on and, and talking to me and sharing sharing your wisdom, which you, you know, you've definitely picked up some, some solid like gold, gold advice over the years and from everyone you've been speaking to. And, and I just wish you the best of luck with, with the project that you're doing as well. And I think you're doing some really important work. Thank you, Anissa. It's, it really is an honor to be here with you. Thank you. Well, that was the end of another episode on Unplug with Annie. I hope you tune in next week when I talk to another exceptional guest. As usual, every Sunday, we're continuing the series of Purpose, and I hope it thoroughly, thoroughly speaks to you. It affects you. I hope you're inspired to share the message with someone. And I hope that you have already subscribed to the podcast. If not, please go to www.unplugannie.com and you can find all the podcast links as well as other links and articles which may be of interest to you. You can also subscribe and receive the weekly email newsletter to your inbox and be part of the family in a more active way. Until next week.